Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 489th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Once a Metro and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Come on in. Chat room is open. You can talk amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Tonight... We're going to go a different way. <coughs> Excuse me. Tonight, we're going to discuss a legend of football who has passed away about the day before our Thanksgiving vacation began. As everybody knows, the Argentine legend in Diego Maradona passed away at the age of 60. This is one of the most creative, most uh, brilliant Maybe at times controversial, but the truth is you cannot exclude how wonderful of a man he was on the football pitch. And it it would be a shame not to discuss it because, once again, this is a man who came to this country uh, during the summer of 1994, the FIFA World Cup that the United States hosted, and to get a, a very good insight of who he was, what he was, and how he was loved by many in Napoli for his club side in Italy. Of course, club football in Argentina and the national team. I'm very pleased to have on with me Mr. Ariel Judas, who is an expert at uh, the life and the legend of one Diego Maradona. Ariel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for, the inv- for taking the invitation. And how are you, sir? Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here to discuss and talk a little bit about the great Diego Maradona. If I can ask you this, and of course we all saw the scenes in Argentina, Buenos Aires, um, and probably everywhere else around the nation. We've seen uh, a reef laid in front of one of the goals at the famed Estadio Azteca in Mexico. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, where in 1968 uh, they won the World Cup, Argentina. Um, and, of course, in Napoli, all Napoli supporters um, showing their support of the man who was absolutely fantastic. What was it about Maradona who captivated life and the spirit of football the only way he could show it? Uh, it's a very difficult question to answer if you're not Argentinian. Um, because Diego Maradona was the, the greatest character in Argentina, taking into consideration everything that happens in a country, politics, cinema, movies, TV, sports, everything. He was the number one. So having to say goodbye to him was a very, very tough moment to, to cope with, of course. And... You would never say that you weren't expecting this kind of news because he was in very bad shape and he was uh, 
very sick, very ill, especially in the last three, four, five years. But basically, that's it. He was the greatest character, the greatest um, person, public person in in the whole country. It's a 45 million country, uh, 45 million people country. So it's a pretty big in Latin American terms. So it was a, a national drama. I can say that it was a national drama. Uh, knowing about his his death. Obviously, he wore the number ten shirt for the national team of Argentina, and yeah. I was able to watch some some tapes back in the day, especially in 1994 when the FIFA World Cup first came to the United States. Of course, yeah. a big celebration to for the world to see not only some of the best footballers in the world, but to watch his brilliance out there. What, how creative was he? And do you think, obviously, you know, I mean, you know, anytime you have a man like that on the world stage and everyone has their eyes on him and, and everyone else, but still though, when he came to the United States, what do you think we witnessed uh, seeing his legendary uh, play uh, show us how good he is and how wonderful he was. Um, when he came to the U.S. in 1994, he was kind of a, it, it was kind of a rebirth from him. He was banned for, by FIFA a couple of years before the World Cup. So he basically he prepared for the World Cup without having a club. He had to train by, by himself. He was allowed to begin playing for the national team like four or five months before the World Cup. And uh, it wasn't a great story. Um, I, myself, I was a a teenager by then. Uh, I didn't believe that he could get to the point where he got in 1986 in Mexico, where he won the the World Cup. And in 1990, the team, Argentina, finished in the second place. They were both... Great World Cups for Argentina, and he was great. Maradona was great. I didn't think he was going to be in that shape, but eventually he got to that point. You also will remember that he was banned again by FIFA during the the '94 World Cup because of uh, taking uh, illegal substances. Not that he was drugging himself with, but he was enhancing his performance with uh, some of these. Uh, substances later on were allowed by FIFA so nowadays maybe he wouldn't have been um, uh, uh, he wouldn't have received that sanction by FIFA but back then uh, uh, those things were not allowed so he had to be uh, taken out of the World Cup and of course it was a, a very disappointing moment for all of us Argentine fans, and uh, the World Cup eventually ended for us in a drama again. But he was playing really, um, really good in that World Cup, uh, especially the games against oh, of course. Uh, Greece and, and, and Nigeria. He was he was in, a, in, in maybe his one of his best moments of his career. No, I bet he was. Um, if I can ask you, uh, the, the, this, this, this particular player who captivated 
everyone, especially in South America. We all know how big um, qualifying for the World Cup is in South America. It's always the same 10 nations. It's always uh, cutthroat, as you know very well. Uh, yeah. Brazil and Argentina are always the top two nations of South America that are able to qualify for a World Cup. Um, what is it about this man who basically blazed the trail? I mean, with so many clubs in his career, especially um, the famed Boca Juniors between uh, in the in the two to three years that he was there at eighty one, eighty two. Of course, before that, yeah. Argentinos Juniors. Um, and then moving on uh, to Europe, of course. Uh, what was he like to play for those two sides, then go to Europe, and then you come back for Newell's Old Boys and bo- back to Boca Juniors in uh, his remaining years as a player? Uh, Soccer-wise, he was, for me, the best player I have ever seen. It's uh, He's miles away from anybody else, even Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, they're excellent players, but they don't reach for me the, the status that Maradona got. He was excellent on the field, he was excellent playing soccer, and he was, he still is, even though he's dead, a, a great personality. So the mix, the package of those both things were very powerful, very explosive. Um, talking about where he grew up, he was a, he was a, from a very poor family in the outskirts of Buenos Aires, the capital city of Argentina, a place called Villa Fiorito, which is about 40 minutes away from Buenos Aires downtown. Uh, he grew up there, again, a very, very humble place, poor place. Um, he was signed when he was a teenager by Argentinos, Argentinos Juniors, which is a first division team a middle table team maybe in a, in a very nice neighborhood in Buenos Aires called La Paternal. The stadium of Argentinos Juniors right now is called Diego Maradona. So he's got the, his name on, on that stadium. Uh, the club bought a house for him and his family. So he moved from Villa Fiorito to Buenos Aires. He was there for, uh, I don't know how much, but maybe between uh, the under 17s and under 15s and all that, and the first team, maybe three, four years before going to to Boca Juniors, the, the one of the two most popular teams in Argentina. Um, he delivered in both teams, especially in Boca Juniors. He uh, was great. He was very young, but he was the, the star of the team. He played there for one season and then moved to Barcelona. And uh, after that, we all know the story. Uh, Barcelona... Napoli, where his greatest years were there for sure as a soccer player. His drama was there. Also, his problems with the dra- with drugs and addictions and all that started between Barcelona and and uh, Napoli. And then the 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 the, the story we all know: Sevilla uh, going back to Argentina, being uh, suspended by FIFA, playing for Boca Juniors the national team uh, uh, on and out from time to time and eventually retiring and being the, the manager of the Argentine national team, which was a, a great adventure for him. Not very happy for him, but it was a time to remember as well. But soccer-wise, he was a, an excellent player, fantasy fantasy player all the time. 
and winning player because he did so many fantasy tricks and and things in, on the field. But he also won games. He was uh, in championships. He was a uh, uh, he always delivered. He always did that for the teams he played. No matter what, no matter if it was a club or the national team, he always tried to deliver and eventually delivered many many times. I want to ask this question about Diego Maradona. You know, like you've said, a fantasy player, uh, a wonderful player. I mean, there have been so many players in South America and in Europe who have captivated many, many, many people around the world. Obviously, for me, uh, who I have seen personally, uh, Thierry Henry, no matter what yeah. he did, uh, he always found a way to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, what I've seen from Thierry Henry, I believe that as a footballer, he would always be, I would say, maybe two to three steps ahead of the defense in his brain. In, in his brain, he's always two to three steps ahead of the defense, how he wants to create a play, how he wants to score. You know, you have the technical ability, uh, the tactical ability, but the awareness of where you are on the pitch, especially in the opposition's area, to plan a play or take it yourself and find a way to beat the goalkeeper without even having to break a sweat. Is that what Diego Maradona is, but maybe so much more than that? I understand that he was a little bit more than that. Um, Even many years after he retired as a soccer player, for instance, the training sessions for the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, he was coaching Argentina in that tournament, you see, you watch the footage of those trainings and he was playing with the likes of Messi and all those big Argentine players and you couldn't tell any difference. He would have been able to play for, I don't know, the whole not the whole game, but maybe 30 minutes or so and he would have excelled in those minutes. He was, he was so brilliant and so natural and so ahead mentally of everyone else that was surrounding him. So, yeah, and everybody that played along him, every, every uh, teammate he had, no matter if uh, you talk to players in Europe or South America or the national team, would tell you that. He was ahead a couple of minutes before what was really going on in the field. He knew two minutes in advance what was going to happen. And it's crazy, but it, so many people have said that that you have to believe them. You know watching some of his teammates play with him, how much they have to be on their game to play with him. Forget about the opposition players trying to defend him, to mark him. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, that you can tell that Diego can just on, on film, what I've seen um, that he, like we've said, he's probably two to three, four steps ahead of everybody else, but for his teammates yeah. to stay with him, to create attacking, you know, during the run of play, preparing for something or anything during a set piece. How much do his teammates have to be aware of his style? A, a lot, a lot. And uh, I will use the, the 1986 national team, Argentina national team, that won the World Cup in Mexico uh, as an example. But those times, even though it, uh, not many years have, have gone by, things have changed a lot in soccer. So back then in 1986, Argentina had 
maybe two months in advance of the World Cup in order to call up the internationals, train together, travel to Mexico, get to Mexico two weeks in advance before the, the start of the World Cup. So it was a different world in international soccer. But the, the, the teammates would tell you that those two months in advance they had to, they had to work along Maradona were essential for them to take the World Cup. Because the team itself, uh, if you take out Maradona from that roster, it wasn't an exceptional uh, national team. It was a good national team, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't bet on them. I mean, it was a, maybe get to the quarterfinals or something like that. They would never make the World Cup. They, would never, they, would, they were not supposed to do that. Of course, they had Maradona in the best shape and uh, mentality of his career, and everything changed but that team had a very special uh, national head coach, who is uh, Carlos Salvador Villardo. And that is a very special character, a very special character in Maradona's career as well. Um, the, the guy wouldn't let you breathe unless you have trained for 12 hours or so. So that tenacity from this uh, guy, Carlos Villardo, was, essential for that team and the team was very prepared and very aware of, of what Maradona could do so everything worked it was uh, very painful because nobody wanted to train in Mexico with, uh, in the middle of summer with um, high temperatures and all that nobody wanted to train but eventually they did and eventually they got the World Cup I know because it's not just of course the uh... The temperatures over here in the summertime, but it's also the altitude and the the, the tough yeah. climate in uh, in yeah. Mexico. Obviously, I mean, not everywhere it's terrible altitude, but we all know that the um, that uh, Mexico City at the Azteca, uh, you know, the altitude and the smog is really really terrible, especially during the yeah, daytime. Yeah, you have obviously. to remember that in, in in that roster you had guys that played for uh, Real Madrid. Roma, so very big teams that they had the full season in Europe, so they had no rest between one season and the other and woke up in the middle. So nobody complained after all because they won, but uh, at that time it was very hard. And the, 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 uh, you have to know that before the World Cup, uh, now that the that, that, that team is idolized and everybody talks, says good things about them, Bilardo, Maradona, and all the other guys, but before the World Cup, they were hated because they lost every single uh, friendly game they played in Europe and in South America. And so they, nobody was expecting Argentina to, to be that good in the World Cup. So miracles happened, and so cool wise that was a big, big, big miracle. You know, I'm looking at the uh, 1994 roster of the World Cup for Argentina. Yeah. And I also want to go back, of course, the match against Nigeria. Uh, they were down yeah. 1-0. And then, of course, um, Diego found a way during a free kick to at least start the play. I never thought I would see a, 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 a footballer who was not taking the free kick himself, but he would run towards the ball, 
he would skip up and then he would just touch it with his studs to the to the to a teammate who was going to take it anyway and then bending it to another player who scored the goal to make it 1-1 I mean like you said fantasy footballer I mean that yeah. must have been something that no one has ever seen before seeing a non-free kick taker running at the ball didn't even dummy it didn't even went you know, through it or over it or didn't even touch it, just faked, you know, faking out the, the the wall. He ran towards it, leapt in the air, and he moved the ball with his studs to the free kick taker who was going to take it, and then he makes the play to score the goal. Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, Maradona had very, very special things in in big games and in, and in trainings, and um, we got a little bit used to that, but yeah, he was uh, he was a fantastic player. He was a tremendous player, and uh, it will be very hard for us to find um, someone that can fill the gap. I think that, that it's impossible to fill it, but you never know. Argentina has a is a country with uh, lots of talent, and you never know. If uh, I don't know, maybe twenty years or so, you find a kid that can do strange things as Maradona did and, and maybe uh, make us feel a little bit like Diego did in those wonderful years. No, he really was. And of course, the uh, the other uh, free kick that he took in that same match, which was the match winner, of course, um, was able to lay the ball off for Claudio Canigia. And he, yeah. I don't know how he was able to score from that tight space, uh, from that tight angle, but, you know, Diego found ways to magically put the ball in a good area. And, you know, yeah. all you had to do is let your forwards uh, do all the, the hard work. Yeah. It is what we, was, we were talking about a little bit before. He always found the space. He always found the time uh, or the, the way of passing the ball and getting the striker to score. And... uh that was amazing and fantastic, and uh, those plays, the, 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 the goal you're, met, you're referring to, the goal uh, uh, scored by Claudio Canija was, was fantastic. And Canija was one of his uh, best friends in the national team. He, they scored together a, a huge goal for Argentina in Italy in 1990, a game against Brazil that eliminated Brazil in the World Cup, so it was a, a huge celebration in Argentina because, as you know, Brazil is uh, maybe our main rival in South America yes. and every, anywhere else we, we got to play them. So it was, was huge for us, huge, huge. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we all know very well, very well documented the battles between Brazil and Argentina uh, very, very well documented, of course, uh, no matter what tournament it could be, uh, Olympics, World Cup qualifying, yeah. uh, Copa America, the World Cup itself, just to see those nations battling it out all the time. Uh, very, very uh, interesting to watch, and, uh, you know, it's really, really uh, a lot of fun to see that happen. Um, with the two World Cups that Argentina has won, if you can compare 1978 uh, to 1986, was we all, like you know was Argentina that 
much with flair the way that maybe this 86 team uh, was when they won the World Cup back in Mexico uh, in those days with like Diego Maradona? Or did Diego Maradona become uh, a new type of footballer that maybe Argentina has never seen before he came on the scene worldwide? No, he, he already was a big name. The problem with him at that time was that he um, he was struggling to produce and, and play big games for Argentina. He did play big games for Napoli and Boca before, and Argentinos Juniors before that. And, and in the youth national teams, he already had won the World Cup in 19, 1979 in Japan. Uh, so he, he, he was great in that, but for the big national team, he was struggling to, 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 to shine, so to say. He won games, he was a good player, but he wasn't at that star level that everybody was expecting him to, to reach. And eventually he did that in, in Mexico, 86. And if you compare both the World Cups, the 1978 and the 1986, the, um, the 86 team, as I told you before, there was uh, many doubts surrounding that, that, that team. Too many losses, too many bad games, not the best performances before the World Cup. So uh, finally winning the World Cup was a big surprise. Of course, the team was very good. They played really good during the World Cup, and they deserve it. Um, the 1978 World Cup was played in Argentina during the, the, the military regime in Argentina. So it was... Uh, a little bit strange, everything around the World Cup. It was not democracy, of course, and uh, many big uh, international stars didn't travel to Argentina to play the World Cup, uh, like uh, Johan Cruyff, for instance, um, because they were trying to protest the political situation in my country back then. So the team was good. Um, they won the World Cup. Uh, in a good way, but the comparison between one and the other team, one World Cup and the other uh, World Cup, uh, you always go, I always go to, to the Mexico team because the Mexico 1986 team, that World Cup was uh, um, happier for us in Argentina. It was, uh, we were free. We were uh, uh, watching and enjoying this Martian that Maradona was on the field. And everything was a little bit more different. Of course, we uh, cherish and we love the guys that played in 78, and we respect them, and they are heroes as well for us. But the 1986 team is, is a special. It's a little bit better for us, for me, for myself at least. <laughs> but of course, uh, <laughs> uh, to see <coughs> – excuse me, sorry about that. Um, no problem. We all know back in 1968, of course, uh, Argentina faced England in the uh, knockout stages. Um, and, of course, the particular match they call the Hand of God. And, you know, yeah. um, the the English continue to curse that day, or at least uh, those players, about what he did. You know, when you when you see, you know, 
English commentators that were either in that era playing football or were on the English national team. You know, I don't want to stir any controversy, obviously. I mean, you know, everyone will be against somebody, you know, when when the result does not go your way and, and, and the play does not go your way. But, you know, when you see Maradona running and then, you know, jumping in the air and something happened in, in your mind, is that another brilliance of Maradona or it's uh, or is it something else? Um, listen, we all in Argentina know that that wasn't uh, proper, so to say. We know that he was cheating, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the referee didn't call that. The uh, FIFA afterwards didn't say anything about that play. So the, the goal was uh, in and was valid and helped Argentina uh, defeat England in that, in that game. Um, I understand the frustration and uh, the bad things that uh, some English uh, commentators and players have to say about um, Maradona for what happened in in that game. But Maradona's career was so big and so uh, brilliant, uh, not only because of that specific game. um, He did so many other great things. Uh, even in that game, he scored. He scored the, the hand of God goal, of course. But he also scored what many people say that was the best goal in the World Cup history. So um, maybe he compensated. You know what what I'm saying? He 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 cheated on the first yes. goal and then he scored a beauty on the second one. So uh, little th- little things to complain about. That's the way I see it. I understand the frustration and. Uh, even uh, even now that the goalkeeper for that English team is still complaining about what happened in 1986. Imagine that. Uh, yes. But I hope that eventually he he understands what happened. I I I what I I see it this way: if it would have been England that had scored a goal like like that with a hand and mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and, mm-hmm. the, and the goal goes in, nobody would be complaining in England about that. Nobody. Nobody. That's and, right. and that's why we don't we do not complain in Argentina and we kind of celebrate what happened. Um because we was he was smart. He was street smart, you know. Um that's the good thing about the great thing about Maradona. He was a great soccer player, the best one ever, possibly. But uh, he also was a guy like ourselves. He was richer he was very, very rich. He died like a uh, with a hundred million fortune, so something like that. He's he's still very rich. His family will be rich forever. And uh, but he always kept this spirit of the kid uh, that has grown up in a very tough neighborhood. And he knew uh, uh, things that happened on the streets in, in Buenos Aires and in other places in, in Latin America. So he was a very streetwise guy, and he he told us. He told everything as it was, as, as he saw it. So that's part of his magic, right? He was a he was as good as Messi. Let's put it that way. He was a, in 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 a soccer field. He was as good as Messi. But Messi would never say the things that Maradona said after the games, before the games, calling people out, and uh, that kind of uh, extra package that Maradona brought. You will never find a player like that. 
uh, I, I can I cannot imagine a player like that in Argentina getting to his soccer level and his uh, uh, charisma and personality. It is impossible for me. It was a uh, one case in a million. You know, I have to say um, that you know this man, who you know we we see footballers go one or two ways or even one or three ways. You know, they, they are done with the game. They want to, you know, be left alone. Uh, they pop in every now and then to be remembered and honored. Some become, uh, you know, analysts for either radio or for television. Yeah. Uh, and some become managers for a club side or for a national team side. I found it really interesting that, you know, the the way he played in his own way is the same way he managed Argentina in his own way. To me, it's like seeing him with two watches, one on each wrist, and I believe this was uh, either in Brazil World Cup or maybe this was in South Africa. Africa. I I keep forgetting which one. South Africa. South Africa. Just, just yeah. to see him, yeah, yeah, just to see him, you know, managing the national team, managing Messi, the current uh, Argentinian superstar, and obviously there are many other players that are wonderful, like Angel Di Maria, who has done very yeah. well uh, playing over in France with PSG and 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 other uh, national teams, and uh, excuse me, other club teams as well. Um, watching uh, so many, many big things happening. You know, did he ever mention what it was like to, uh, you know, manage Messi the way he did and even manage, uh, the, you know, the national team? Because, I, I mean, you have a, a national team manager who played in, a, in an era that, you know, everyone's starting to learn about him and, and, and his style to bring his knowledge to that national team. What did that mean for you? And what did that mean for Argentina that maybe there would be another hope that if he brought a World Cup as a player, he may bring the World Cup as a coach or a manager? Yeah, you know what? Maradona was the greatest player for me in all my life. He was. He will ever be, forever be that, that way. But as a coach, he wasn't that good. And I understand that he knew that. He knew that. He knew that he wasn't as effective as a coach uh, as he was uh, as a player on the field. But he tried. And I can tell you that uh, that uh, South Africa 2010 World Cup was pretty bad for Argentina. Finally, we got eliminated by, by Germany, 4-0 defeat. Germany was uh, so much powerful that, than Argentina in that game. And, and Maradona realized that what he knew, what he could do as a player, couldn't be translated to to the guys, to, the, to his players. And it was very tough for him to to realize that he couldn't translate all his skills into words and into specific practices to to get to that state. But I but I understand that he realized that and. After the World Cup, the Argentine Federation offered him the job again, and he said, no, 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 I failed. So I'm okay with that. Let, let somebody else come and fix things and try to get Argentina back again 
playing semifinals and an important game. Um, so I respect that. But he couldn't get away from soccer, so he ended up training very poor teams just because for the uh, because he wanted to 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 keep uh, training and being around soccer. The team that he was uh, training um, for the last uh, year and a half is Gimnasia y Esgrima de la Plata, which is a first division team, but it is a very poor one, a team that usually loses most of the of the games and they keep struggling a lot. So for him taking that team was a a very brave decision. And the teams the league teams in Argentina that he coached before were of the same kind. He never got to train Boca or uh he would never train River but maybe, uh, a big team as, as River, he, he never got to train that. That, that maybe was uh, one of the big things that was uh, missing in his career. Training a big club in Argentina would have been interesting, at least, for us to, to watch and to see what, what happened with Maradona as a, as a uh, coach in, uh, in first division. And he went, when he went away to uh, United Arab Emirates and all that stuff. He didn't also he, um, he didn't get a, a big team either. So it was a strange for me to to understand that why he doesn't get the no I don't know. You go to Japan, the best team in Japan. So you have means and 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 ways of getting the championship or or, or something like that. He didn't care. He just wanted the team. If it was a, worse, uh, a bad thing, he didn't complain. He just took the team and tried to work around the, 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 the players and the club and whatever in order to try to make something interesting. So he got to do that a little bit in Mexico when he trained a couple of years ago, Dorados in Sinaloa in Mexican second division. You know that promotion and in, in Mexican soccer, uh, right now they don't have promotion anymore, but it used to be very hard to get uh, your club promoted to first division, and he almost got that. So maybe that was that was his most successful uh, period as a club manager. The national team in Argentina, he had good times and bad times, fun times most of the time, but it didn't work. He didn't work as a uh, as the Argentina head coach, and he suffered because of that. Because he understand, he realized that he couldn't give what his mind and body uh, had to provide, he couldn't translate that into words for his guys. You know, um, you know we've talked about everything he's done uh, as a player, as a manager. Um, how much influence did he have with the Argentinian people, uh, people who live in the United States, you know, who've watched him play, um, people in Italy, in, in Spain, around the world, watching him play. How many people do you think he's influenced to begin as a footballer or at the same time? Naturally, people love this game of football, but how many did he influence to play his position specifically? Oh, uh, he was a huge influence. But there's something... Uh, I need to say before going much deep into this, uh, I'm not uh, trying to say something that it isn't, but 
you go to Argentina and you will find number 10s on every square, on every little club in the neighborhood, on every corner of the street. Every kid wants to be a number 10, and they try to play that way, and they try to be the best. Not because just of Maradona. There have been many, many great number 10s in the Argentine soccer history. Now you have Messi. Of course, everybody in Argentina, every kid wants to be Messi. You see Barcelona jerseys all the place around and every city in every neighborhood. So it's pretty natural for um, kids and, and young people to try to look up to and try to imitate uh, guys like Maradona or Messi. In my time, um, Maradona was 60 when he died last week. I'm 51, so for my generation, he was the, the best and the only... Uh, uh, the, the the best player to look after and to try to get something something from from his play and his way of positioning on the field it was impossible of course but uh, everybody tried to follow his steps when he was a kid and tried to play soccer at school but uh, he was a big big influence again not only as a soccer player um, we still have in Argentina on the, on our everyday jokes and everyday um, things to comment about politics and the economy, which is always a problem in Argentina. You always have a, something that Maradona said 20, 10, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 20 years ago, that you can apply right now. So you will find yourself in Buenos Aires, in Rosario, in Tucumán, in every Argentine city, saying things that Maradona has said um, many years ago, uh, calling some government people out or something like that. So he was present in our everyday life, and he still is, of course. He has just died, but I don't uh, expect that, that thing to change uh, fast. I think that for my generation and maybe for the next generation, that thing will still go around for, for a little while. Um. Just to talk about him, I'm very amazed and I'm, I'm very, very pleasantly uh, surprised that you know such a great influence he was he has brought uh, to world football, especially to Argentina, and, and how everyone loved him and how he played. They loved him. You know, here in the United States, um, it, it's you know you don't get a sense of you know what happens on a on a national team. Uh, no matter yeah. what the sport it is. We know they don't do it in American football. Uh, baseball, it's very rare. In hockey, it's, uh, you know, only the Canadians are paying attention. But at the same time, if you talk about Canadians, you talk about great players, but you don't talk about them on national teams. And even in, in basketball, it's the same thing. It's like we expect it. We, we expect the great players to come, but they only come when it's for a club team, not for a national team. And to talk yeah. about Maradona, who was brilliant as a player himself, but you know, like you said, he wasn't at he wasn't good at first with the national team, but later on he was. But to see him transform his own legend into becoming a major legend in this game, and we, you know, if you if you follow the history of this great sport, you you don't have to go too far to look for the big names. We know who they were and who they are and, and maybe who the next ones will be. 
Hello? His name all over the globe where you know, get that. Yeah, that, there is a joke in Argentina, and nowadays we were um, using it using it with with Messi, but it, it isn't like that. Messi is a, a global figure. Maradona was a figure in, in the whole world when the internet didn't exist, and that makes a huge, huge difference. But the the, the joke in Argentina is you are in China, just as mentioned. Uh, 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 very far away and distant country for us. You're in China and they ask you, where are you from? Argentina. Oh, Maradona. That was the first reference we had in the whole world for 20 years, maybe. So we grew up with that, with that uh, presence, that overwhelming presence. Uh, everybody knew him in the most distant country, in the most remote place. You will always find a... a a picture of Maradona, a jersey of Argentina or Boca or Barcelona or Napoli or whatever with the number 10 and the name Maradona on the back, that that happened. And, and again, it was, this was before internet, before um, uh, being able, us being able to watch every single game in, in, in the whole world, no matter if it is South America, Africa, Europe. You, nowadays you can watch any game, basically. Well, when Maradona was playing us in Argentina, we were waiting for one week in order to see Napoli games. We, the, the games were taped, and they flew the tapes to from Italy to Argentina so we could watch uh, the, the, the the Napoli league games one week later. And that that those games that everybody knew uh, the score and what happened in the game had huge ratings, and that was that was crazy. I mean, it it would never happen, of course, again. But uh, he created a whole world uh, for us in Argentina, for the people in, in South America, and for his fans in Europe, that uh, it's very difficult to explain right now. People would, would not believe it or wouldn't understand how it worked and how it happened, but it worked and it happened. Well, obviously. I mean, I was born in 1973, so I know exactly what you're talking about. You don't have these uh, big jumbo jet airline carriers that brings over packages across the country or across the globe. Yeah. You know, you got to wait a good amount of time before the next uh, – for the tape, for the match to be uh, brought over. Now, these days, all you need is a, uh, a Wi-Fi signal and be on your computer so you can watch these matches live. Uh, on your uh, computer screens or, you know, finding a way to transfer it from a computer signal to the big television in your living room these days. I mean, the technology of today to how the system was back then, you know, obviously it's a lot quicker, it's a lot better, and you don't have to worry about film anymore. You just need a, uh, a signal to send the picture from Italy yeah. all the way to a station in uh, Buenos Aires, and or some, you know, and then just spread it around the entire country so they can watch these players yeah. now. So I know what yeah. you're talking about. I definitely know what you're talking about. I, I grew up in the uh, from the early '70s. I was born in the early '70s yeah. through now, so I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, right now, for any radio producer or TV producer or journalist from the biggest newspaper in Buenos Aires or in Brazil or in Spain and whatever. It would be almost impossible to get a 10-minute talk with uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi in order for, for them to explain how they were expecting the game and 
what they were uh, thinking about the rival and all that stuff. And Maradona did it every single week for the big radios in Argentina, for the small radios in Argentina as well. So that was crazy. I mean, having Maradona on Sunday morning telling you, yeah, I scored a goal. It was a great goal. It was a beauty. Uh, we struggled a little bit against uh, Inter, but finally we got the the win. And that was every single Sunday. That was crazy. That was crazy, and I loved him for that. And, uh, um, of course, it was him and nobody else. It didn't happen again with any other international in Argentina. Not that I know of. Uh, that didn't happen in Brazil as well. So, I don't know. He was a... Uh, Somebody a little bit out of the out of the 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 normal for for good and for bad. But uh, uh, talking about the, his uh, attention and his uh, interest in in what media said about him as a soccer player, he was a uh, uh, number ten, real number ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these honors he's won. Uh, he's won the Copa del Rey. Uh, 1982-83 seasons, uh, the Copa de la Liga in 1983 for Barcelona, uh, the Super Copa de España in 1983 for Napoli, uh, two titles with uh, in Serie A, Copa Italia 86-87 season, a UEFA Cup in 1988-89, a Super Copa Italiana in 1990 as an international and as a youth. The, which I'm assuming the FIFA World Youth Championship was once the, is now the under 20. Uh, 1979, yeah. of course, we know the World Cup he won in 86. Um, the uh, another trophy for Argentina, the uh, Arterio Franchi Trophy in 1993, and as an individual, um, just so many awards and titles that. Um, you kind of lose count when you look at the list so long of all yeah. of these uh, Player of the Year awards, uh, you know, the, the the most goals scored award, you know, uh, Player of the Century, Goal of the Century, FIFA World Cup Dream Team, the Golden Boot in 2003 uh, as football legend, uh, FIFA 100 Greatest Living Players. I mean, you know, when you look at everything he has been awarded, that he has won. Um, it, there's no doubt in my mind uh, of the, uh, the, the the superstardom that he earned uh, as a great footballer. Yeah, and you have to take into consideration that back in, the, in those days, uh, he couldn't compete for the Ballon d'Or in Europe, which I'm sure he would have won at least a couple or maybe more, because it was only reserved for European-born players. I mean, he was Argentinian. He couldn't compete for that. So maybe Platini got the Ballon d'Or and Maradona didn't, which See, I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. I'm but, sorry. But mm-hmm. it was a little bit crazy from from UEFA and, and all that. I understand that now that he's dead, maybe UEFA will give a, some sort of... A, honorific Ballon d'Or to his daughters and something like that. That's the scoop I heard in the last hours in listening to, to Argentine media. Oh, we'll see what happens. Let me just say this about the Ballon d'Or, um, which I think it's a wonderful trophy. I think it's a wonderful thing to award someone um, 
who is a wonderful player, but my my feeling is that it shouldn't be just players that are performing in Europe when you're fighting for a trophy like that. I, I, if you are yeah. going to be considered a uh, a FIFA award show, if you're going to be honored by FIFA as a footballer, regardless of if you do play in Europe, I think that's wrong. I mean, look, I'm glad Messi gets allowed to be voted on as a uh, world footballer for the Ballon d'Or, but, you know, that should change. I think what we should have is if that's going to be a an award for a European player only, then that yeah. should be given to you by UEFA. That should not be given to you by FIFA. Ballon d'Or should be... And you can, you know, whittle down the amount of players all around the world, but that should be considered... You know, if you have a top player in uh, Africa who plays in Africa, a top player who is from one of the 10 South American countries should also be considered representing uh, South America, one for the United States or one from Mexico, one from Asia. I don't know much about Oceania with club football, but at least my opinion is that, you know, it should not just be, you know, related to if you are born in Europe or if you are a foreign player playing in Europe, that's yeah. where uh, it should be. I, I, I disagree with that. I believe it should be for everyone. Let each uh, confederation give their own award to the best player within any country within your own confederation. FIFA yeah. speaks for everybody, so everybody should be considered. Well, I hope we get to that point, but it's so hard for um, European people to get them to sit and watch MLS games, for instance, or Argentinian games, league games, I mean, Brazilian games, which Brazilian league is really good, a good one. Uh, Mexican games, African games, it's, uh, we are always on the fringe of what they watch on TV and maybe not even that. But someday, someday yeah. we'll get there. I hope so. I really do hope so. Um, what was the greatest, I should say, uh, bickering of words between Maradona uh, and Pele from Brazil? Because so many people have all, I've heard this myself, and you know, these two, they don't like each other. They despise each other. One has something to say about the other, and then vice versa, until they finally came together um, I believe this was maybe 10 years ago when they both finally saw each other on a, I think it was Maradona's TV show that Pele yeah. came by and they finally hugged and I guess they buried the hatchet. Um, yeah. What was that like to see you know, two of the best South American footballers uh, on the continent? It was great, but um, as you may understand, um, we're talking about how great Maradona was how great Pelé still is but these guys are two huge egos huge huge egos so they don't stand having to share some of the love of the South American people or the world people they are better off without sharing anything so that that, that was a reality and that, that is a reality so for Maradona and Pelé to come to 
some sort of agreement and uh, showing the, themselves together and not talking trash about each other, which happened for like 25 years. Uh, it was a big step, of course. That happened when Maradona wasn't playing anymore and when Pelé was long, long retired. So that was a great show that Maradona had. He, he had a couple of seasons on, on uh, national TV in Argentina. It was a great show, very funny one. Um, he brought to Buenos Aires the biggest soccer players you can imagine, not, not only Argentine or South American as Pelé, but he brought the biggest European stars. He was a very, very interesting uh, show to watch every week in Buenos Aires. Um, but again, the death of Maradona uh, showed some, uh, uh, not some, uh, showed a, a great uh, uh, sadness in Pelé, uh, maybe realizing that the other great that was, the other great players that were around him in South America are no longer there because uh, his teammates from the 1950 World Cup, or, or those great Brazilian teams from from those 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 years, the 70 team, I, I wanted to say, uh, they are very old, and you know, unfortunately, many of them, most of them, have died. Uh, so, uh, whatever Pelé would have been thinking when he got the news that Maradona died last week, um, his message on social media was was very sad. But it was uh, very human as well. Um, and that's the way I, I took it. I mean, he's realizing that maybe the, the, this party over down here on Earth is maybe coming to an end. And, uh, of course, he will remember as uh, one of the greatest, uh, just as Maradona is. And uh, we will have the memories and the, the great soccer uh, Pelé, in this case, showed. He was a great player. He had one one issue. Uh, he Pele manages really well with the, the the public relations and the, his relationships with media. And he's a master in that. He's a really great guy. He speaks five four languages right now, so he can do publicity and and all that stuff for for many different markets. He's great, but he's a little bit bittersweet in, uh, when he when it comes to uh, trying to say nice things about young players. He talks trash about Neymar right now. He talks trash, or he talked a little bit of trash about Messi in, in his time, a lot about Maradona. He was in war with Maradona. He didn't like Maradona at all until somehow they they got a, uh, to that uh, great moment in that TV show and things seem to have uh, uh, gotten to a better place from that uh, moment on. Um, if I can ask you this question, obviously Pele was done uh, playing uh, football for either in Europe or in, in uh, South America, came to the United States in the North American Soccer League um, and with the New York Cosmos. Did Maradona ever enter- entertain the thought of coming to the United States to play uh, in the NASL, or he just felt he just felt that he would rather stay uh, local, or at least uh, you know stay within a comfort zone. That he didn't feel he was ready to uh, come to the United States to play like what Pele did. You know what? He had a I, I, first of all. I don't think he ever 
thought about coming to the United States to play because, but but maybe that when he was able to come here, he would have come in the early 90s maybe. So first seasons for MLS. I don't know if MLS was that attractive back then. But I don't know. Uh, he had a very uh, lovely relationship with the U.S. Uh, for many years. Um, uh, there, there was a, a photo sh- uh, show a couple of years ago here in, in New York uh, where uh, um, many nice pictures of Maradona playing in New York uh, were exposed and Maradona visiting places in New York and all that. He loved New York, for instance. Um, but some days, somehow, he changed uh, his ideals or he found new um, political ideas. Uh, he, as you know, he, he spent many, many time in, in, in Cuba. He was friends with Fidel Castro. He was his friends with the people in, in power right now in Venezuela. Is a controversial uh, area, so to say, of his personality. He he, um, he was praised and he was criticized for that. He still is um, in Argentina and outside Argentina. So uh, maybe the if there was any chance chance ever to come to the U.S. when he started his relationship with Cuba, um, that uh, ended and, and and he died without having the permission to come here to the United States, even as a tourist. And that and he complained a lot about, about that because he wanted to bring his grandkids to Disney, to Orlando. Uh, and he wasn't, he wasn't authorized yeah. to, to, to travel to the U.S., so he was very pissed off because, because of that. <laughs> I would be, too. You can't yeah. uh, shut Diego Maradona out from not visiting Mickey Mouse. That's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're having some fun here, of course, with uh, Ariel Judas, who uh, has watched Diego Maradona play uh, in his career as a footballer, manager, of course, and a very well-known figure. Um, I've had a fun time talking with you. I guess my last question would be this for you. Obviously, we're trying to grow the game in this country. We're trying to find the best footballers in this nation, soccer players in this nation. Uh, We have a good crop right now uh, playing in Europe. Uh, I I know we had a goalkeeper, Johnny Walker, who spent his time excuse me, in South America. I keep forgetting where in South America, but he played in Chile, um, I think, and then he was, in then Chile, he was that's for a correct, little yeah. while in Argentina. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Um, you live in, in New York City now, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, we're hoping that, you know, we can develop a player, um, not the exact player of Maradona's uh, Oh, my God. I'm sorry about this. Hold on. I'm sorry about that. Um, Do you think, you know, we always talk about we want to be like a Messi, a Ronaldo, a David Beckham, but do you think we may have either on the national team right now or somewhere down the pipeline 
that we have maybe our own version of a Maradona ready to explode onto the scene? Do you do you see that anywhere in the country uh, right now, or are we not close enough yet to that level? Listen, uh, uh, an Argentine journalist in, in Buenos Aires or in Rosario or in Cordoba would say, no, that would never happen. That the United States will never have a player like Maradona or Cristiano or Messi, or that quality of, of soccer player. I've been here for more than 10 years, so I, I, what I say right now is you can never say no. It will Eventually, it will, it will happen. A global star... Um, born or, or raised here in the United States will make it and we will all be talking about him every day and, and that moment is not that far enough right now you have uh, American players in teams as Barcelona for instance which was as far as I understand impossible five years ago so I think that little by little that, that gap is uh, uh, a little bit little uh, so to say year after year. So eventually you will get to that. What uh, is important for people to understand is that Maradona, Messi, Ronaldinho, uh, Ronaldo, uh, I'm talking about, about the Brazilian Ronaldo, uh, those are guys that grew up in the most extreme poverty. I'm not saying that you have to grow up in the worst conditions possible in order to be a big soccer star. But what happens with these guys, with these people, is that they have to be the best in order to bring some food to the table, even when they are 12 or 13 years old. And that is something that doesn't happen, fortunately, here in the United States and in many, many countries in Europe. Um, so the will of these guys, the strength they have in their minds in order to make it, uh, comes from a very different environment and situation. Of course, Messi, right now Messi is a very rich guy in Barcelona. Uh, it's been 20-something years. He, hasn't, he, has, he doesn't live in a, in a poor place in Argentina, but he grew up there. He came out from, from that kind of place and environment. So I think that that may have a part in all this, this stuff. And you go to other situations in Africa, the big stars in Europe that come from Africa come from those kind of environments. Uh, Central America, the same. Mexico, the same. So maybe there's something in, in the streets that academies don't teach you. And I'm a true believer that uh, the United States have to find some way of mixing those things. The <clears throat> streetwise and the soccer that you play on the street eventually it's a tool that you're able to use when you get to the top. And those guys know this. I mean, Messi knew this, Ronaldinho knew this, um, Ronaldo knew this, Maradona, of course, knew this. And there's something in that. There's something in that situation that helps them to get to the very big stages in the world. I'm, 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 I do believe that. That's great to hear. So I just want to say, Ariel, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Uh, it's always wonderful to talk about uh, those historical men that have transcended this game uh, to many, many people, not just uh, within 
their uh, their own uh, nation, but for around the world, and of course, you know the love of the, this game that is going on in our country. Uh, thank you very much. I hope to talk to you again another time. Please be careful and please stay safe throughout this pandemic. You too. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me here, and it's been a pleasure to to be here and to talk about Maradona, which is such a great character and such a great soccer player. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Ariel Judas uh, joins me tonight to talk about the great Diego Maradona. So a real quick blurb, of course, U.S. soccer has announced their uh, roster for the uh, friendly on Wednesday, December the 9th, down at Inter-Miami Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, as they're gonna, as the United States has their MLS roster ready to go, and here is that roster right now. Of course, uh, from uh, Americans coming from uh, outside the United States is uh, goalkeeper C.J. Dos Santos, who plays at Benfica for Portugal, in, in Portugal, excuse me. Uh, Bill Hamid from D.C. United and David Ochoa goalkeeper for Real Salt Lake. And here is the uh, the rest of the roster. Uh, we got Julian Arujo from the LA Galaxy, Kyle Duncan and Aaron Long from the New York Red Bulls, Marco Farfan from Portland Timbers, Mark McKenzie from the Philadelphia Union, Mauricio Pineda from the Chicago Fire, Sam Vines from the Colorado Rapids, and Walker Zimmerman from Nashville SC, of course, they had a great run in the MLS Cup playoffs in their uh, expansion season. Midfielders, uh, Brendan Aronson, the, uh, very soon to be going to uh, Red Bull Salzburg in Austria. He is, at the moment, the Philadelphia Union. Kellen Acosta from the Colorado Rapids. Frankie Amaya of FC Cincinnati. Cole Bassett of the Colorado Rapids. Sebastian Legit from the LA Galaxy. That's your midfielders. And the attackers, Io Akinola of Toronto FC. Efrain Alvarez from the LA Galaxy. Paul Ariola will be back on the national team uh, from DC United. Um, I can just lift that up a little bit. Daryl DK of Orlando City. Uh, Georgie Mahalovich from the Chicago Fire. And Chris Muller from Orlando City. Finally, the kid from Orlando City who has really grown up this season and has played a very good MLS is back tournament and a solid regular season is going to get his first opportunity at a national team camp. Whether he starts or not, that remains to be seen, but hopefully he'll get that opportunity. So this is going to be a very interesting roster. I know El Salvador is not a strong opponent, but I've always said this, you got to take on your opponent's, from your own confederation outside of Mexico and outside of Costa Rica. And uh, you just got to go out there and take on these opponents because one day you're going to face them in either the Gold Cup or the Nations League in CONCACAF, or possibly also a, uh, under 20, uh, World Cup qualif- uh, an under-20 World Cup qualification tournament or even an Olympic qualification tournament. So... Uh, you just got to be ready. You got to be prepared. You got to go out there and you got to find a way to make sure that if you're going to be the better side, you got to take on tough opponents, not only 
uh, from outside of this confederation, but from within, inside this confederation. So that will be on Wednesday, uh, December the 9th. I will be joined by both Kartik Krishnaya of World Soccer Talk and formerly of Fox Soccer. Uh, Christian Miles will be joining me for a post-match uh, on the show. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be exciting. And I personally cannot wait to see what's going to happen with these players on the MLS roster for the U.S. men's national team. We'll see what happens. Of course, it's on a non-FIFA date. But once again, we've got to have something because this pandemic just destroyed any future games uh, that the U.S. had to have players for. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. Um, other than that, I will talk to you guys on Friday night, the uh, MLS Cup playoffs, quarterfinal, uh, actually the uh, the uh, semifinal is going to be this coming weekend. So uh, I should say the conference semifinals review show will be on this coming Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. So it should be a fun show to watch, or to listen, I should say. So I want to thank my guest tonight, Ariel Judas, to talk about the legend that is Diego Maradona. I hope everyone had fun tonight. Thank you for listening to me tonight. This is Daniel Feuerstein of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care so long, and please enjoy your football. Have a good night. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.